0: Today's episode is a must listen for any business owner, but also for any professional that works as a manager or a director over a company. This will help you to really be able to see the psyche and how people interact. I truly believe that this is the start of an amazing conversation, but I want you to know that this episode is not only rooted in experience, but it's also rooted in reflection. So, Without further ado, let's get into today's podcast episode. Hey Lee, welcome back to today's podcast episode. Today is going to be a very um, in-depth conversation. I believe it may start a series, so we will see. But I definitely want to start off by saying that I am not a medical professional. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not someone who is licensed to diagnose a person based on neuro or psycho um, measures. I am simply someone who has worked with people for a long time, and I've been in hospitality for a long time. And I know how different emotions in a person and different perspectives and thinking in a person can cause them to look at situations a certain way. And I also know from working on thousands of clients as a facialist that there's also ways that people encounter life. And if you are a part of, you know what, let me just stop code switching because I'm trying to figure out how the best way to say it without triggering things. Like my goal is to have a conversation with you, but I also know that in this day and age, so many things can be misconstrued or misconstrued. Yeah, so what I have noticed is that, you know, just from working in hospitality, working with people and seeing how people respond when they're not happy, when they are happy, when they've developed, you know, a relationship with you, when they um, only trust you, You know, from seeing that in different arenas, I've been able to see how people act and how people manipulate and how people will um, really just shift into different identities, especially when you're dealing with people who make a lot of money or who are well-known. I've just noticed these things. Also, when it comes to being a facialist, I've worked with many clients who look at their beauty professional as a therapist. And so... You get so many people that come in and eventually you may start to notice some commonalities. You may start to notice um, just lack of emotional education for a lot of people. So um, that was one arena there. And then from coaching people into new income brackets, you know, a lot of times we like to say, oh, it's mindset work that needs to be done. And when I first started coaching, I thought it was mindset work as well. But over time, I realized that it's not mindset work. It's truly battling through those limiting beliefs and working with someone that you trust that can hold space for you to help you to really realize that things that you encounter in your life, that could be holding you back from success need to be released. And a lot of times, if you are not in a place to receive it from someone, like if your mom is telling you, hey, you know, you're stubborn, or if your you know partner is saying, Hey, you know, you can tend to be stubborn. You're really not gonna hear it until a um a coach or a therapist may come in and say, Hey, you're trying to reach this income goal, but one reason why you can't is because your stubbornness is causing you to have a major blockage. And once you move that out the way, that's going to help you to get to where you need to go. So in observing people and being around people and constantly being in a space where I am dealing with people, I've really been able to observe people. And I've also learned the hard way of what happens when people manipulate you or when people are not aware of their... Actions Like they're not aware of how they're responding or they have grown up with such an embedding of lack of emotional intelligence. And because of that, they are unaware of how their actions are until those actions are presented to a person that can show them a different light. And I will say that my time in St. Louis gave me a total seven-year class in learning about the culture of people and also learning about the mentality of people. And I spent a good amount of those years really working to try to um, change the mindset. And I'm a person that believes in vision, right? I'm like, I see where the world is going and... You know, I love to help people see the vision because the sooner we can see the vision and bring the vision to life, the better for us. Why is it that we are always the last to find out about things and then we just have to hop on board? And when I say we, this is a cultural conversation, but really it's a um, income class conversation. You know, when you're in the wealthy circles, You know, the conversations are way different than when you're in more of the poor circle. When people are having conversations about the money changing, that happens before it hits mainstream and before it becomes this larger conversation. And then after is when, you know, the poor are able to get on track to it. It's also a mindset thing. You could be a wealthy person, lose it all tomorrow, And your mindset is so ingrained in wealth that you're bound to get that wealth back because you know how to um, move in those wealthier circles versus a person who is poor who maybe gets some money, but you know they didn't take the time to really learn how to move like the wealthy or like the rich, they will, or the middle class, they will turn around and go right back to being poor because they did not mentally upgrade themselves. And your brain is the most important asset on your body. Right? Your brain, you know, we have insurance on our body, but your brain when you are personally developing yourself and professionally developing yourself and developing your mind and developing your mental fortitude, that's one of the best things you can do for yourself. One of the biggest investments you should make in yourself is in your brain and there's so many people and I've learned this from my time in the beauty industry there are so many people that will spend thousands and millions of dollars on their bodies but they won't put that same level of attention and investment in their brains and because of that you deal with manipulation you deal with um, tantrums you deal with you know psychotic breaks and you deal with just seeing people in a different light especially If you're in the beauty industry, you see how people are trying to mask and fix something on the outside without really taking the time to go within and be like, okay, the reason you have this acne is because you have habits that are aggravating this acne. And why are you having these habits? Well, it's because you're depressed. You're not noticing that your hygiene is lacking because you're depressed. And these are the conversations that most beauty professionals and business owners are not having because one, you feel like you don't get paid enough to deal with it. Two, you feel as if that person is an adult and they need to figure it out and three, it's not cool to be connected to crazy. so when you see somebody that's acting different or that has things that are going on, you may think to yourself, "Ah, oh, I'm not gonna mess with that like you know i'm gonna I'm just gonna worry about me." And that's it. And I want you to know that, you know, when it comes to particularly the poor income class, and I'm not just talking about people that don't have anything. I'm talking about people that have a poor mindset. A lot of times, you know, the best way that we can help others or hold others' hands is not from making the path easy for them, but shining a light onto a new path. And a lot of times that's simply with... Taking mentorship um, from a very small lens and understanding when there needs to be just a small conversation that can shift people the way they need to go. Now, the reason I'm having this episode and I'm really taking my time with this is because these are conversations that people don't really take their time to actively research. I actively research consumer behavior and I actively research how people are because I've had to deal with so many different people that, you know, are just manipulative or emotionally dangerous. And this has been from, you know, my childhood. Like I didn't grow up, you know, in a private school or in a wealthy neighborhood. I didn't grow up around, you know, um, emotionally aware people. And, you I really had to learn and and constantly work to build my emotional intelligence. So now, when I see that there is a lack of emotional intelligence, I have a little bit of tolerance for it, but I don't have a lot. I don't have as much as I used to. That vision that I was telling you about earlier in this episode, that vision that I have is that you know when it comes to particularly the beauty industry, and when it comes. Also, to the coaching industry and the mentorship industry, we're gonna have to shift more into psychology. We're gonna have to shift more into looking at people as they are individually. If you are someone, for example, you know, working as a facialist, if you're someone that comes in and I do a consultation on you and I notice things such as you're not eating, or you know, when you are eating, you are not choosing healthier foods and you're not washing your face, and you are barely taking the time to take showers, or you know you have a very stressful job. Maybe you tell me that you have a lot of anger. As I start talking to you, you start to tell me that you're in an abusive relationship. Well, I'm going to start to shift the conversation to really be more of checking in on you, to really be more of trying to just be that that Person that um, really does the checks and balances for you because when you're a person that moves into relationships that are not suitable for you, especially an abusive relationship, and you're noticing that there's anger and that you're not feeling loved and that you're not feeling cared for, well, you can start to develop um, really just heavy weight. You can develop, your skin will almost have this, um, I call it the dying effect, but. Your skin will have where, you know, when I'm working on you, your skin is just soaking up all of the product is soaking up everything. And that's not talking about a dry skin type. I know a dry skin type. I'm talking about where the skin is almost like if you look at the skin, like it's a person, that person has been in the desert for so long and had no contact with anyone for so long that it has had no water and it's really like drained extremely dry to where when it sees water, it doesn't just see a cup of water, it sees an ocean of water and it starts to just go and just ravage and, you know, all of that water to where literally a 90 minute session with me, your skin is not fully hydrated until I get to about 70 minutes in because I've had to spend so much time really encouraging that drink, but also, you know, doing, extractions and really just like totally shifting what the epidermis receives when it comes to coaching what does this look like well with coaching this looks like you've been in struggle for so long that you're not receptive to any advice that someone's giving you. So I always take the first session and I have to make the first session my most expensive session because nine times out of 10, depending on the person that I receive especially if they're a person that comes on in the first session, I always brain dump. If they're brain dumping and they're constantly going into what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, and it's just a constant flow of what's wrong, and if I start to notice that they're feeling inadequate or they're feeling like they don't know what to do or they're feeling hopeless, then I have to take that actual conversation and let them know, hey, you're gonna have to move into another session because this first session is really designed to take off that baggage and that struggle that you've been wearing. And then from there, nine times out of 10, you're not gonna listen to anything that I tell you to do today, or you're gonna halfway do it because you've been struggling for so long that a level of pride takes over to say, well, you have tried everything. So nothing someone else is gonna say is gonna help you. Yeah, you can pay this person, but you've tried everything. So what they're doing isn't gonna work. And so from that point, whatever I give you, if you do 40 to 60% of it, if that, and you come back with no results, then when I see you in the second session, it's, hey, so what have you done? Well, now we notice that you didn't even do what you were told to do. So now we have to chip away at that pride and build trust. Now, understanding that on a psychological level, many people that work with clients don't care about the psychology or the mental well-being of their clients and I really felt called to do this episode because so many people are wondering why they aren't having clients or why it's hard for them to get clients and a lot of times it's one of two things. The first thing is that you are not aware of of how you're presenting to the world, so you might be walking around with high functioning depression, high functioning anxiety, etc. One of the main symptoms that I see of that is that you are saying that you charge a luxury pricing, but then you're showing up to work in a muumuu or sweats, um, or you didn't take the time to, um, you know, put yourself together. So your headshot and who you are in person, they have very different distinctions now we know headshots are you know you're wearing makeup and things like that but the distinction between your headshot and who you are when you go to work is totally different to where your headshot is like this extremely made up person but the person we see in person is as if you just woke up out of bed you are you know you're hunched over you are you know sounding hopeless and you're really high functioning depression basically Or low functioning. You could be low functioning and just going through the motions and energetically it's a very low vibration. Now, the second reason um, is also that your clients don't see true value from you. And that just means that you have to build yourself as an authority so that clients know that you're the person to go to. One reason that my business grew so fast in the city that I was in was that I noticed that from me growing up in the South, even though I didn't receive a lot of emotional love as a child um, or emotional intelligence education, because I received love, especially growing up with my grandparents, I received love, but I didn't receive a lot of emotional intelligence education I learned how to serve other people I learned how to be domesticated I learned how to simply be charming and to blend in enough to be around people and I learned that from my grandmother she was a very charming person and she you know she had a way of being a person that was very elegant and didn't say many words, but she knew everyone. And so that is how I was raised. Unfortunately, when you are a good person, and that's something I've noticed about my grandmother, she didn't have a job. You know, she well, she worked from home taking care of children, but she didn't have a job out with other people. And I realized growing up that when you leave the house and when you have to get a career and when you work with other people, You can't always be nice. You can be kind, but you can't always be nice. Being a good person is not going to reward you because what I've seen, especially in the beauty industry, is many of the people who are truly good and who truly care and truly want to see people win, they are also the people that are looked over. They're the people that are the underdog. They're the people that are really confused on what to post online because when they post something online, it's hard for them to oversell whatever they're doing, right? It's hard to oversell it. Like, you're just like, this is what I do. And if you would like this, then come on in. And so Understanding that and understanding, um, I would highly recommend, there's an episode, I got to find the name of it, but I talked about marketing versus manipulation. And a lot of times the best marketers are manipulators and it's because you know how to bend on the side of hitting those emotions. And that's the core of your marketing is how can I hit the emotions and how can I relate to the person that's watching this because if I hit those emotions good enough, then they're gonna think about me and they're gonna come in and buy from me. But when you're a person that is, you know, deems quote unquote good or you're just like a great authentic person, it's hard for you to do that because in your mind, you can't put together why you have to do so much to get people's, you know, emotional strings pulled for them to come in. It feels too inauthentic and it feels extremely wrong. And so because of that, it's it's almost like many of the good people and the nice people of the world, those are the ones that are like you know, you you eventually get to a point where you get into what, you know, the villain era because you realize that you know, you've been such a good person to people. People say you're a great person, you know, people love you and then It's as if you feel like you're constantly behind in life. And I want to let you know you're not behind in life. Um, You may have to go through your villain era just to really um, give yourself some balance because it's not good to always just be this nice, kind, sweet person. Sometimes you have to be the villain in somebody else's story because that means you're the hero in your own story. You have to stand up for yourself and the villain era is going to teach you that. Now, I do want to go into the situation at hand because I found myself where um, I started to really have a period where I know like God was shifting me into a new direction. And in this period, it really showed me that I was really... From a psychological standpoint, getting one of the greatest lessons that I believe will catapult this very next season of my life. And when I look on this podcast, I mean, you know, every person has their seasons, every person's has their eras. And so you've seen the era of being shy, being you know, um depressed, and really just like creating a space that could help people like us like people who go through depression and people who you know feel like they need a safe space like I still to this day I still you know have it sometimes where when I go places sometimes I get anxious about like okay where is this place at where's parking how you know how far am I gonna have to walk when I get to the door like where's the hostess stand okay where do I go like I developed like this social anxiety and I've use the last seven to 10 years to really put myself in therapy and to really work through it because a lot of times we're afraid to talk about these things we're afraid that people are going to see us as weird but I want you to know your mind is your greatest asset and so when you feel that something is wrong it's important that you treat yourself as if you're sick, right? If you have a cough that won't go away, you're going to go to the doctor and see what's going on. But what is? why is it that when we have something in our mind where we notice that, okay, every time I go out, I feel this anxiety, we're afraid to go to a therapist just to see what's going on, right? You're afraid to go talk to someone. And so you allow yourself to run rapid in your own brain. I want you to think about the clients that come in that do the same thing. Your clients are running rampant in their own brain and they're constantly trying to put this puzzle together that it's not that they don't know how to put it together, it's that they feel that they have to put it together because if not, that there's something wrong with them. And so understanding that from a psychological perspective is the reason why so many are saying that they need mentors when really they don't need mentors because a mentor is just going to be their to really help you take what you've already built to the next level. No, you need a coach. You need a therapist. You need people who can support your mental growth because as you grow into a CEO, the CEO's position is not task-related. The CEO's position is strategic and mentally stimulating. Everything about the CEO chair is about driving the direction of the company, driving the direction of your life, right? And when you're the CEO of your life and when you're the CEO of your business and when you're the CEO of yourself, you understand that you are the head. You spent so much time being the feet and the legs of doing the task, doing the treatment, doing the whatever, marketing, taking the photos. You spent so much time in the movement of the feet and the legs, that you're not sitting in the brain seat. And as you notice, if you study millionaires, billionaires, CEOs, we all have morning routines because the morning is when you are first waking up. But technically, the morning routine is not where it starts. It starts in the nighttime. So if you're a person that is doom scrolling, scrolling, if you're a person that is going to bed after watching horror films, or you're a person that you know you you go to sleep crying because your situation in in your life is just so bad that you cope by just crying yourself to sleep. And trust me, I know as a child, especially as uh, middle school years and a little bit of high school, I try, I cried myself to sleep many nights because my family did not have that education of the emotional intelligence and so when you're a person that is severely depressed for so long you might develop it as an identity now again i'm not a medical professional but i'm telling you from my own personal experience of how i've worked and i'm still working to continue to keep my mind in check as i grow but also when you realize that growing you know they say it's lonely at the top you got to make sure that you surround yourself with people that can take you out of your brain, because if not, you will get in your head and you will sabotage yourself and you will end up really just creating this paranoia around where you could be because you've never expanded your mind outside of the conversations that you have within it. So it's very important that you surround yourself with the right coaches, with the right therapists, with the right people today. Because once you start working with clients, if you're not careful and you don't have authority and self-sovereignty, your clients could end up becoming personalities in your brain. Your clients could come in with drained energy and you start to take on their drained energy. You start to trauma bond on feeling inadequate. Your clients are coming in and they're like, oh my gosh, like... You know, I'm thinking about doing what you do. Like, how do you do it? And instead of you giving them a conversation about the career, you're starting to talk to them about how hard it is. And now you're trauma bonding off of how hard it is because you're looking for that validation. But that's in your brain, right? If you're not aware of what's going on, then you could just be trauma dumping on that client. And then you're wondering why that client doesn't come back 30, 60, 90 days. Is because you have not taken that time to fully get outside of your brain and be able to truly look at what needs solutions and allow other people to help you with those solutions. You don't change the world by yourself. You have to have people around you that support you. And if you understand that it's lonely at the top, you understand that you as the CEO, you as the visionary, you're driving a vision that requires you to be in your optimal health then you understand that it's important for you not just to look good as a CEO, but it's important for you to be mentally good as well. It's important for you to have that mental fitness going on as well. Now, I'm going to go ahead and shift this conversation because I actually was um, really just like doing some research. I felt so... I just followed my intuition and followed the nudge because I realized that when it came to my time in St. Louis, you know, I I realized that that was a seven year lesson. And I realized that. In my growth, I realized that I grew so fast because it wasn't just about the facials. It was also about helping people get out of their mind, helping people to really you know, I'm psychotherapist. Like, like It was just like when people would come in and they're talking about their day, they're talking about their stress, they're talking about their relationship, they're wondering if something's wrong with them. I would help them to just pull out of that conversation in their mind, be able to fully let go and be able to look at it from a different perspective by lifting them to a higher frequency. And I didn't notice just how powerful that was until I started noticing that my clients were you know, going for better jobs and finding better relationships and moving into, you know, better communities. And I started to notice that not a lot of people, especially in the beauty industry or in the coaching industry, not a lot of people take this seriously. They don't take it seriously about the spiritual well-being of their clients or the mental well-being of your clients. It's simply just, Well, you know, this is what I do. This is, you know, niacinamide, this hyaluronic acid, you know, this is how, this is the business strategies. Like it's so logical and it's so just focused on the main thing that it doesn't look at the comprehension mentally. Is that person mentally or spiritually able to comprehend what you're telling them? Because if not, you could actually do more damage. And one way that people will connect is when they start to trust you, yes, but when they also see that, okay, this person takes this seriously because it's not just about this one thing, it's also about me, right? So once I started noticing that, I really had to go into a level of protection for myself. And I started noticing that there were a lot of times where if I needed to take a break, that I would have clients who were really angry, and it it would become a part of they would threaten my team um and they would just kind of be in a place of i mean the best way I can explain it is just this extreme anger um, for example, you know I've had um and this is actually like public knowledge there was a review that was left on my site where a young lady. Had overslept and actually let me pull that up because I want to make sure that I read it and I don't want this episode to be too long but I'm just gonna go ahead and read it so she left the review and on the review she left the one star and she said I made my first appointment and lost my deposit because I was late I forgot about the appointment and realized it an hour later. So I called them trying to come still. No, she just wants the free money. With me calling the same day, explaining what happened, showing that I really wanted my appointment, I wasn't accommodated for it. As a business owner, I will work with my potential clients to make them happy. If I didn't call at all or days later, then I could understand. Just don't like their professionalism. Other facilities always work with me. If they can, she didn't care at all. And so that whole review shifted the way I looked at my business and you know if you're a person that is like when you see a one-star review you get upset instantly you just start snapping you are part of the problem and I'm just going to say it like that you are part of the problem because the thing is you are taking on that person's low vibration and you're allowing it to dictate something about you And part of the four agreements is not taking things personal. Part of the 48 laws of power is not taking things personal. When you stop taking things personal and you start to get out of your mind about things that other people do and you start to realize that they do things because that's how they do things, then you start to look at people as what they are presenting to you and you start to really look at the information that they're giving you and realize that there's a way to still put your foot down while also still realizing that some people are just not going to be happy. If everybody is happy, that doesn't that that's not necessarily a great thing because there's going to be people that don't like you. There's going to be people that have so much to say. And I know for me, when it came to this particular review, the first sentence, right? Um about making your first appointment and losing your deposit because you were late, you know, any business has a policy That needs to be abided by because it's not just about that person. It's also about the next appointment afterwards. And so the response that we provided was very straightforward. And the reason it was straightforward was because for one, I knew that people were going to read the review and I wanted to give an honest response, but I also knew that I couldn't take on her anger. The response that she gave about you know, she realized that she was late and tried to come in. Well, you trying to come in and being offered a, you know, a reschedule, but you were upset about the reschedule because there's a policy in place, right? And so because of that, it became this anger where it's like, nope, she just wants the money. Um, I wasn't accommodated. As a business owner, I will work with potential clients to make them happy and things like that. And so when you are um when you are really going through situations where you notice that people are not happy when you enforce the boundaries, it's not for you to to be like, "Oh, I'm going to go fall back on my boundaries so that you're happy." And a lot of business owners do that. And when you do that so much, You realize that your business is dependent on the emotions of your client, which makes it the emotion of you. And that looks like if your clients aren't rebooking, well, now your emotions are dictating how you move. Your emotions are, well, they're not booking, so now I'm mad and now my content is going to be crazy, And I understand because a lot of times you can feel like I'm doing everything in my power to do this business. I'm doing everything in my power to keep moving. I'm doing everything in my power to grow. I'm doing everything in my power to provide the best. But then I'm wondering why these clients are not respecting me. I'm wondering why these clients are getting angry. And I want you to know that depending, especially if you are a person of color, depending your culture or your income class may be psychologically not on the frequency that you need to move your business on. So, for example, if you're noticing that you're you got a bad review like the one I just read, that one review could cause people to snap, and it could be like you see the review, and then you want to take the review, and now you want to be like effective immediately because of this, da da. And it's like That leads you down a low frequency path versus when you isolate that incident and you understand, okay, this is just one particular person. I don't want this same thing to happen again. So I'm going to make sure that in my marketing, I start to elevate and speak to a higher client. Those are two different conversations. But a lot of times, if you're a person that doesn't nip it in the bud, you start to notice that you have this again and again and again and again. You start to notice that your frequency goes down. You start to notice you don't show up the same for work. You start to notice that... You are, well, you don't notice that you become desperate because as your clientele falls, you try to hold on tightly to any client that comes in. And then from that, that client can see the desperation. That client can see that something's going on with you, but you're unable to see it because you are still holding on to that low frequency that was happening before you. And so, what I noticed from just, um, things that have gone on just in general. You know, I um, I just really realized that you can't always look to your clients to tell you if you're doing the right thing. We want everybody to be happy, we do, um, but that's not always the case. On the flip side of that... I had a situation where there was a client who has been there for, let me look at the reviews. Cause reviews tell you everything, honey. Um, but the review that this person left was, uh, let me see. Cause I'm looking on here now. Um, this person left a review four years ago. They left five stars. Um, you know, they say every time they see me, it's great, whatever. And I realized that that same person four or five years later now doesn't feel the same way. And it really caused me to stop again. And I'm taking my time with this. I won't let this podcast episode go to an hour, but I'm taking my time with this because I need you to understand how important it is for you, especially if you work with people in this day and age where there's so many external circumstances happening. I need you to understand that you have to be able to separate yourself from the situation emotionally because you have to be able to stop and really... Rain yourself in before you throw the train off the track, okay? And a lot of people are not doing this. A lot of people are allowing the emotions of other people to have them running crazy, okay? And so you have to speak up. You cannot try to get these people to understand, and I'm saying these people, because you never know what happens when people are not in a favorable situation. You never know what happens when people get angry. You never know how the other person is going to act. There's there's plenty of you know stories that I've heard online of people who. You know, they have road rage. Next thing you know, the whole car got shot up. So you have to be careful, especially now with all the stressors that are happening in the world, because mentally there's going to be so many changes that if you're not aware of, could be detrimental to you in your business. And so what I realized with this situation is because this had been a situation where this person had become to know me and like me and trust me over a four-year time span, when I had to enforce a boundary and it was a very heavy boundary, this person became angry. And you never, anger doesn't have to look like flat out tantrums. Sometimes anger can look like very small manipulative behaviors. It can almost be a situation of a child. If a child is trying to get the attention of their parent, they're willing to deal with negative attention because it's better than no attention. A lot of times if you have you know a child that likes to act out, right? A child that likes to just be the class clown and act crazy is because that's the only time that they get attention. Okay. And so I realized in this situation that, you know, while I'm not diagnosing a city, I noticed that there are behaviors that I need to see, and I need to know when it's my job to respond and when it's my job to simply bow out in grace. I want you to understand this because as you build your business, you want to make sure that you educate yourself and that you educate your team to be able to notice these things. Case in point, I had a training and um we were in the hotel and at the lobby there was um I don't want to say he was homeless, but he came in and he was asking for like he was asking people for um change. And you know, he asked every person in there for change and the guy that was working at the front desk was like, "Hey, I need you to get out of here. We've told you many times to not come in here. Like this is a hotel. Like please don't come in here soliciting to clients. We need you to leave." And the man just continued to ignore him and just continued to go up to people asking them questions. Now, From an outside point looking in, because I grew up around that, I know that this person is twofold. So this person could be dangerous, but they're only dangerous to the person that doesn't know that they could be dangerous. So with a person like that, you got to hold your ground. You can't look afraid. You can't be like, oh, you know... You can't look like you want to hold your purse and all this other stuff. You got to really be like, yeah, um, no, I don't have change. <laughs> you got to say it with your chit. I don't have change. Have a good day. And that person will go on about their way because they know that you're not one to play with. But if you're a person that's looking all scared and crazy, then they know like, oh, let me ask them. Let me walk up close to them. Let me incite a little bit of fear on them because, you know, it's almost like maybe if I continue to push a little bit, then they might, you know, give me what I need. And so understanding that at a young age, when I see it as an adult, I realize that a lot of people out here are desperate to the point where they will do that to you. If you say no, they may continue to push harder. Like, oh, you said no to me? Well, let me continue to get a little closer to you because you're going to do what I want you to do. And when a person wants attention and they're not getting the attention that they want, sometimes they'll settle for whatever attention they get. I need you to understand that. Because if you're working closely with people and you're not understanding their mental state, you could be bringing somebody into your business or bringing somebody into your home that is coming in with ill intent, but sadly, they may not even... Know that their intent is ill unless they've been watching you for so long, or unless they've been feeling entitled to you for so long, to the point where when you do have to say no and you do have to set a boundary, they may feel entitled to act the way that they act because that's just the way that they feel they should act and that you should be okay with it because they react the way that they do. That aggression that impulsivity, that manipulativeness, that irritability, that lack of restraint. Those are symptoms of a personality disorder. Those are symptoms of being close to a sociopath. And I need you to understand this because I'm just going to use this episode to really dive briefly into it. But if you want a more detailed episode, let me know because the the way that people are mentally changing, you got to understand that you're going to start to notice you're just going to start to notice certain things with people and they're going to make you feel as if something is wrong with you. Because to them, it's like, well, no, this is this is what it is. And when people have struggled for so long, Eventually, it gets to a point where it's like, well, I'm not going to do it everybody else's way. I'm going to do it my way. And that way could be dangerous to you. It is not your responsibility to stay there, deal with the abuse, deal with the attacks, deal with the ridicule, deal with the constant push. It's not your responsibility to deal with that. Get away from that as soon as possible. Protect yourself legally if you need to. And just make sure that you are aware of any type of harassment that this person may do. Because impulsively, they are not they are not rational. And you have to continue to move forward. Now, sociopathy is, um, let's see, I want to get you a good idea of what it is. Because so many people just listen to mental health things. And they're just like, oh, that's bad. But no, you should really learn about it. And I've been in the psych ward for a visit. So I can tell you that there's so many different personality disorders. Okay. And so um, you just want to pay attention to it. And since I've mentioned that health piece, And I've documented that I've dealt with anxiety and depression. I will tell you that when you are a person that deals with anxiety and depression, you especially have to be careful because you do not want to identify with the emotions of anxiety and depression. When it becomes too common to you, you may allow yourself to sit in those emotions because they are common and you need to not do that. So I just want to let you know that. Um. So a sociopath, uh, basically when it comes to the concept of it, it happens through your environment. So whereas a psychopath is more of a neurotypical thing, sociopath is more of something that happens from your environment. Okay, and I want you to do your own research on it, but um, this is just a thing where you know, a psychopath could be just kind of born with that, you know, in their neural pathways, there's something going on. But when it comes to a sociopath, this could be shifted because of their environment. this could be shifted because of the way people are around them, um, and just external factors that have created this this sociopathy within them. Okay. And so in a city like St. Louis, while I'm not from there, I observe the people and I realize, especially after having many times where I've had to put somebody out, you know, somebody, you know, was being aggressive to me, where I've had situations where I've had to physically put somebody out. Like there's times where, especially when you're a person that does bring in people from an anxiety, depression angle, a safe space, there are some people that want that safe space, but mentally they're just, they're, They don't, uh, and I don't want to say snap, but something doesn't trigger them until um, maybe you respond the way that they don't think you should respond. So I'm going to read off seven symptoms of a sociopath. This is from mayoclinic.org. Seven symptoms are ignoring right and wrong, um, telling lies to take advantage of others, not being sensitive or respectful of others, using charm or wit to manipulate for personal gain, having a sense of superiority and being extremely opinionated. And the final one is, Having problems with the law, and so if you look at the city as a whole, am I saying that that's a city full of sociopaths? No, what I am saying is these particular symptoms of sociopaths can pop up, and you need to know how to not aggravate that. Case in point, if someone has a sense of superiority, case in point. The show me state, that is a sociopathic statement. The show me state, you got to show me for you to believe it. Well, that level of arrogance and superiority, let, it lets a person go through life feeling as if nothing is real unless someone proves themselves to them. And in this case of going four years of just, I'm naturally just like genuine, authentic, I care about people. In that case, I learned how not to be so nice. I learned that I can be kind, but sometimes you can't be nice because those very people that have that will drag you until. And because they need that proof, a lot of times when you need that proof, you are waiting on someone to prove you right. While you're coming in saying, oh, OK, well, it's to show me state. Prove me. Prove to me that this is solid. Oh, you know, we're to show me state. OK, well, that. That mentality could lead you to have this sense of superiority. And because of that, it could it could cause a person to feel as if, oh, well, this person has always shown me that they're going to say yes every time I need something. Well, if that person has to say no, then that could lead to turning around and trying to manipulate them. And a lot of times they don't understand that their their words and the things that they say could also flip that around to where you're just like, okay, this person clearly thinks this. This person clearly thinks that a person is a bargain to them. They try to use that person as best as they can. They're all happy-go-lucky when that person does what they want them to do. But when that person is like, nah, I can't. Now, all of a sudden they get aggressive and they begin to ignore the concept of right and wrong and they feel that what they deem is what it is, is what it is. And that's not true. That is also why there's a lot of crime in that area, a lot of crime in that area. Okay, because when it gets into the heat of the moment. You might be thinking, oh man, why is a teenager walking around with a gun? Or why are these people, you know, shooting in the broad daylight? Well, the concept of right and wrong, the concept of using that intelligence is flipped into impulsive behavior and attempting to control people. And that could be by any means necessary. And in the mind, it's like, well, that's what it took impulsively. Now, maybe later this person regrets it, but. It's not until this is fully brought to their attention, and if you've been raised in an environment where you constantly have to manipulate others to get what you want because that's the way that the environment is, you can develop sociopathy, okay? Now, I'm going to read also from WebMD, the red flags of a sociopath. One is lack of empathy for others, okay? Now, this is a very broad generalization because empathy looks different for everybody, but when you're a person that is like you and I, you know, we are very empathetic to people. We take on the responsibility of helping other people win. And that's that can be very dangerous for us because if we're someone that's like, "Yes, you know, I got out of poverty or I became successful, I want to help everybody else." But I want you to know that when you do that, you have to also understand that culturally sometimes When we see people thrive, not we, but when our people see people thrive or progress in life, a lot of times that can trigger, um, it can trigger something within them to where now it's like, well, let's try to pull this person down. Why does the shade room do so well? Well, the shade room has a way of picking people apart. And the more we pick people apart, the more we deem it noble to tear them down versus trying to lift them up. So why do other ethnicities get so far in life? Because when they see somebody going to a goal, they band together to try to help that person get to a goal. Now, this is not all. But when you notice that there's other ethnicities where you see people thriving and progressing, and then you also see people that are tearing it down, it's because there is this impulsive behavior. And for them, you can't get too successful. Okay. With that, that is a lack of empathy. You cannot empathize with a person working hard and getting to a level of success that they have. So because you cannot empathize with it, you turn around and decide that you need to control them with threats or aggression. However that looks, whether that's keyboard thugging, whether that's banding with your friends to try to harass somebody, or whether that is, sending threatening text messages to someone or telling someone that you're going to destroy their life well in that concept in the mind it's okay to the person that has these sociopathic traits to try to control that person because at the end of the day it's not about what they say to you it's not about how they make you feel and it's not about the aggression that they send towards you at the end of the day they want what you have and they're not willing to stop until they get it because they feel entitled to you. So I'm just going to stop there because, of course, we're getting close to an hour. But I wanted to really start this conversation because so often we talk about the top being lonely and we talk about fear of success and we talk about all these other things. And as a community, it's important that we start having these conversations. Why is it okay to have the sprinkle, sprinkle conversations and to teach people how to manipulate other people to get what you want? But when it comes to looking at the flip side of how that can be dangerous, you're not understanding that when you want what somebody has and you covet it to the point where you attach to it, and when that person says, hey, I can't, then you start to get aggressive and threatening. If you're wanting to be successful, you need to know these things up front. Because if you don't, you could end up putting yourself in a situation where you are being torn down by your own people. And if you're not mentally or emotionally secure, if you don't have someone that is helping you to get out of your mind, if you're not able to stop the emotions, yes, it is painful to see that people want to tear you down or that people feel um, aggressive or impulsive towards you. And trust me, as someone who had dealt with this for many years in a city where this was normal, I want you to know that Getting a team around you is important. Getting a therapist, getting a coach is important because a lot of times you can feel crazy. You can feel as if you're in your mind and something's wrong with you. But I want you to know that the people who don't seek help, they're the ones that need the help, right? So for you, when you're aware that, hey, you know what, I'm I'm stressing my brain out. And I'm giving myself overload by trying to make sense and rationalize these things. I need someone to help me. That is the first sign of truly getting to your next level. And I know that you have a huge level. You're not just meant to make $100,000. you are meant to make half a mil, a mil plus plus you're meant to build amazing businesses. And maybe the business you're in right now is simply a stepping stone or the job you're in is simply a stepping stone. But the sooner you can get out of your head and not allow anyone else to mess with it or to try to be aggressive and attack your mind, the better. Now, I'm definitely gonna do a part two because I have so much more I wanna talk about, but definitely let me know if you want a part two because I wanna make sure that this is something that we all wanna know because you know, I get a little nerdy with stuff like this. But listen, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Please don't allow the world to take over your mind. Protect your mind at all costs. And I can't wait to talk to you in the next podcast episode.